good and all the time. Some people go to Starbucks. Some people go to Dunkin' Donuts. Some of us make our coffee at home. All right? It's the cheapest, right? It's cents. Amen. Praise the name of Jesus. We live in the best time to live. This is the best time to be alive. How many of us agree with me? This is the best time to be alive. You see, forget the gloom and doom. Forget all the things you hear in the news. Honestly, this is the best time to be alive. I was having a conversation with someone, and we're just and I said, "Wait a minute." I mean, look. I mean, when people say this is things are crazy, I mean, I think the this generation we're having the best time to be alive. Imagine, just 50, 60 years ago. 70 years ago, 100 years ago, I mean, World War One, World War Two. I mean, you don't know who is bombing who. That was the life then. I mean, in a lot of ways, we are actually living in the best time. Amen. Last week, I was preaching in Tanzania, right? Now, I'm preaching here. I mean, 100 years ago, I don't think it was even something they could conceive. Imagine the missionaries of the 1800s. I mean, it, it would take them six months to even travel from the, across the ocean. Six months before they could even start preaching. I mean, by the time you get there, you are probably sick for six months or three months, right? Recover to now even begin to do the work of God, right? I mean, there's just so many things that God has blessed us with. Sometimes we need to appreciate God. Can we appreciate God? And said, this is the best time to be alive. Wow, people are not convinced. This is the best time to be alive. Hallelujah. Some of the young people that say, oh yeah, it's so tough. Trust me, you have it better. Many of you by 30, you have accomplished what your parents spent 30 years. Your parents, you know, they spent 30 years before they can, at least they walk 20 years before they can buy a car. You know, some of you, you know, you, you finish school, you already have a car, right? You know, you're 30, maybe some of you have a house. I mean, so we, I mean, life is in many ways better for us, and we need to appreciate that. Praise the name of Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. This is the best time to be alive, and let's make the best of it. Amen. God is a good God. Amen. Before I go, I have a few announcements I'm going to make, and I have a special presentation I'm going to make. Uh, thank you, everyone, for the hope back. I have no doubt we're going to cross the finish line. Amen. We are very close, and I'm sure we're there by now. We'll be sending an email soon to say we have exceeded our goal. So praise God for that. Amen. Uh, we're going to continue our Bible study this uh, week. Amen. We're going to continue our study of the book of James. So I want to encourage you to be there. Uh, God bless you. Amen. All right. So I will be teaching uh, lesson seven this Wednesday. So if you care to join me, please join me in person. If you can, you can participate with us online. And we thank God for what he has done. Today I have a special announcement about our VITA program. Many of us some of us might be aware we have a special program here that is called VIDA. VIDA simply means Volunteer Income Tax Assistance Program, all right? It's really one of the programs we are very proud of as a church. Someone once asked, if your church fold today, will your community miss you at all? Sadly, I think many churches can close their door and people in the community will not even miss them. I thank God because we are not a church like that. That if we, I mean, if we fall today, we're not going to, but many people in this community will really miss that we exist. I mean, will miss us greatly. One of those reasons is VIDA, all right? VIDA is really an opportunity for us to reach so many people in our community that we will never be able to touch with the love of Christ. Through this program, which is managed by the IRS, uh, we are able to fight taxes for low-income people. And we have been running this program for 11 years. 
volunteers from our church, they come for a period of uh, between, obviously, uh, between February and April. Uh, once or twice a week, people come into our door and they come to file their taxes. Many of them are seniors, elderly people, who save, God knows, 100, 200, some of them, $300, uh, you know, that they will have paid for the preparer. But look at what it means. They are coming to a church. Uh, they are coming into a grace-filled, God-filled environment to file their taxes. So that's something that we should be proud of as a church. We have saved so many people money, uh, a lot of returns, and a lot of people that we, we have a, a very great goodwill in this community because of these and many other things that we do. VIDA is also one of the only or very few agape programs that we do that really involve outsiders. We actually have people who volunteer in this program from outside of the church. Uh, we have students from King University who will come and serve. We have people also from outside who just, who just know about us because it's also listed on the IRS website as a site. We are listed on the IRS website as a site where people can go. From what I was told, we are probably one of the only, even or maybe very few churches in America that does this. Uh, this is not what churches are think about. So, uh, so it's, it's uh, but I'm talking about Vida today because that wonderful program is at the risk of being discontinued. Would you like to see Vida being discontinued? All right. Is at the risk of being discontinued because of lack of volunteer. We do not have volunteer. In fact, we have very, very few, maybe two, only two or three people from our church that are truly members of the VITA. Our leader, uh, Fadekemi or Hakim, had, you know, moved, uh, and we've had we've struggled since that time. All right, we have quite a bit of people from outside who actually have helped us because they they volunteer. In the, volunteered in this program over the years, uh, but we have very, very, very few people who can be part of it. I mean, part of it is probably involves a little bit of commitment, uh, but we are safe to serve. And I think uh, that's why it gave us the perspective that, you know, the commitment is worth it. Amen. So we need volunteers, especially people who probably have accounting background, finance background, but there's a lot of people who actually serve in Vida who don't have any of this background. There's a lot of people. I know one of our young persons. Actually, the two uh, young people who are in Vida here is Damala Oluboji. Damala is studying computer science. Uh, we have Oyin who studied marketing. All right, they're not accountant. Uh, they are committed to it and they've served there over the years. Uh, so. Anyone can do it, really, uh, if you love numbers and you love people, all right? I think you can, you can serve, you can do this very, very well. Uh, there's uh, quite a bit of uh, uh, ways you can do it. Uh, you will definitely have to be trained on basic tax laws and the software being used. That's, you know, that's, you know if you're interested, you will have to be trained in that. And they, we have at least people who can do that for you. Uh, you, have, you pass a test, simple, you know, uh, it's, a, it's, an, it's a tax test. You, you pass a course that allows you to be able to actually file taxes for people. And guess what? You know your taxes for yourself. I mean, you might actually really, really gain a lot uh, from that. Uh, but there are also opportunities opportunity for people who are not even prepared to serve you know, either through marketing and other administrative tasks that are involved. I think it's also a great opportunity for students who, who need community service or anyone who just want to serve. Uh, you don't have to be speaking in tongues and uh, manifesting the gift of prophecy to actually make a difference in someone's life. This is a real way to really touch life by welcoming them, serving them, uh, giving them a need in their life and giving them a reason to think very highly of church. And even if they are not saved, 
it opens people's heart to listen to the gospel message. I mean, it's not necessarily a program where we preach to people, but I think it's a program that allows us to beautify the gospel, right? I mean, people walked out of the place with a great impression that a church can do this. So if you want to volunteer, you're interested, I'm going to display my assistant email, all right? Uh, I, I need you to just email that, all right? The email address is pjassistant at alfc.org. It's there on the screen. If you can drop that online also, people who are monitoring online, just drop that online. Uh, just send an email there and say, I am interested. Or you just want to know more. It's, it's not even a commitment yet. You can just say, I want to know more about what it involves. So uh, my assistant will put you in touch with people in charge, and they'll be able to talk to you and you know, show you more about what you need to do to be part of Vita. We are now going to shut Vita down in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. God bless you. Thank you very much for enduring such an intense appeal. And I'm hoping it will yield some positive results. Amen. Hallelujah. God is good. And all the time. Amen. Lord, we are here for you. We ask you to come and do what you do. What you do best is create miracles. What you do best is is just opening our eyes to see what we can see, opening our ears to hear things of the Spirit, empowering us to become who and what you have called us to become. So, Father, I'm praying that through this message, lives will be changed and transformed. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. God is good. Amen. I want to welcome people joining us online. Thank you for joining us online. Amen. If you can drop where you are joining from, I think we like to know. Everyone's in the why it's good to know. Just type where you are watching from. Hopefully it's not Roselle, New Jersey. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right. Just drop where you are watching from. Some of us, you can even tell us where exact location. If you're in the hospital, that's a good place to know. I'm watching from the hospital or I'm watching from work. Hopefully, you're not going to get in trouble. Amen. I was watching from the airport last week, so that would have been a good thing to drop. Amen. So tell us where you're watching from. And also share, uh, which you also kind of all share, actually, even if you're here I think one of the first things you should do, you sit down, you go on your phone, you share it. We can actually make our service go viral. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Let's make it go viral. And I think every service should be something that goes viral that everybody sees in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So we are going to, I'm going to share something today, a message that I call Translating God translating God. Amen. I think one of the awesome responsibilities that we have as believers is to translate God to the world. Is to translate God to the world. I mean, if you look at the scripture, and I'm going to really try to show you this, it's one of the awesome responsibilities that God has given to every believer to translate God to the world. In fact, Jesus said in, I believe, John 14, 17, that the world does not know the Holy Spirit, which is God, all right? He said, we have received him. He said, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, the world cannot receive the Holy Spirit because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him. Did you see that? We know him. We know God. I mean, we know God so much, we can do crazy things for God. I mean, just imagine someone that has never really, that has no clue, has no idea. They walk into a service during worship. What does it look to them? It looks crazy. I mean, the people are raising their hands. Some people are crying. Some people are coming to the stage. 
God help us. Some people sometimes carry flag. They are doing something like this. I mean, they all make sense to us, right? They truly make sense to us because we know God. We know him and we can do those things. We can pray. I mean, tell your unbeliever friends that you are on a prayer line for one hour. <laughs> Be like, are you doing what? <laughs> it does not make sense, right? does not make sense to them. Or tell someone that you give, you know, 10% of your income to God through a church. They'll be like, what? Now, why do you do that? Largely in part because you know God. And because you know God, you do things that don't make sense. That not ordinarily to normal eyes. Right? Uh, So we are able to do that because we know him. Now, but that doesn't necessarily mean those things we do, we translate well to people outside of God. Right? Doesn't translate. And sometimes I think that's where we fail to really figure out how do we translate God to people in a way they can relate with. Praise the name of Jesus. Now, that is in a sense or in a, in a sense what Jesus did for us. Jesus translated God to us because we would never, the Bible calls Jesus the living word of God, right? We have the written word, the spoken word, but we have the living word of God. That is, Jesus is the word became flesh. Isn't that what John says in John chapter 1? If you reach out, John chapter 1, he says, the word, in verse 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we behold his glory, the glory of the only begotten son of the father, full of grace and truth. In fact, he actually talked about it from verse 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was God. The word was with God. Without him, nothing was created. Nothing was created without him, right? And he now further said the word became flesh. So through Jesus Christ, we have a concrete understanding of who God is. So when we say God is love, before Jesus, we have no idea what that means. Because God is, we can't see God. God is, in a sense, impersonal, right? I mean, God is love. What does that mean? God is holy. There's no way to possibly even really wrap your mind around God is holy. But when Jesus walked on the surface of the earth, he showed us what holiness means, right? Jesus shows us what love means. So Jesus' word became flesh. So what Jesus did is to translate God, hallelujah, to human being in the way we can understand. Hallelujah. Am I making sense to somebody? So if you read a place like Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3, Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 is describing Jesus. Watch how Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 describes Jesus. It said, who being in the brightness of his glory, so the express image of his person. So Jesus is the express image of God. Is the image of God expressed to humans in the way woman, human can understand. Hallelujah. I think Berean Study Bible says Jesus is the exact representation of his nature. Hallelujah. Jesus is the exact representation of God's nature. So through Jesus, we have a clear understanding of the nature of God, the nature of love, the nature of humility. What does it mean to love? He sacrificed himself. He gave himself. Right? What does he mean to pray? We saw him pray. What does he mean to forgive? We can look at it. In fact, he said, forgive as Christ forgave. And that's why Jesus becomes our model man. 
Jesus become the person we follow. And we follow others, obviously, as they follow Christ. That's why Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Because Jesus is the perfect man. And he's God and man. He's God and man. He's God that became man and showed us what it means to be God. Praise the name of Jesus. Now, Jesus in turn gave us the responsibility of now translating God to the world. Hallelujah. That's why Jesus, the Bible Bible calls Jesus the light of the world, right? And Jesus now says, you are the light of the world. Did you see that? So as my father has sent me, so I am sending you. So Jesus is saying, I'm, I'm now handing over that to you. I'm giving you that responsibility as my followers, as the people who are fortunate to know me, who have been called out of darkness into his marvelous light, to in turn translate me to the world. Show the world who God is. Praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's look at a few verses. Let's look at a few scriptures. John chapter 1, verse 1 and 11 and 12 says, He came to his own. His own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. It's a right he gave us to those who believe in his name. So he gave us the right to become. To be a child is to be a true representation. All right? We're not just creation of God. We are not just people of God. We are more than that. We are actually giving the right to become children. A child bears the name of the father. Hallelujah. And I notice he says right. He says the, 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 the word translated right is authority, exousia. It's authority to use his ID card. Hallelujah. We have the right to, you know, to bear his name, to represent him. In the same way, Jesus represented the Father. And Jesus, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you know, takes it further by saying, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, hallelujah, and you shall be witnesses to me. In Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So one of the reasons why, the major reason why we receive the Holy Spirit is to actually be witnesses to the world. To let people know who God is. To translate God to the world. And that's a very, very important task that we must think about. Many believers don't truly think about these aspects. And I want to challenge you this morning that this is something that is so important to God. Let's look at uh, the, the, uh, what G, how Jesus described commandments. In Matthew chapter 22, we're going to read a small passage there. There's a, there's a rich, young ruler. That's how I was described. I came to Jesus Christ and said, what, what, what do I do to inherit eternal life? Because Jesus has been preaching about eternal life. And Jesus said, you know, go and obey all the commandments. And I think there was a follow-up question. I mean, look, what is the commandment? They needed to really know what is the commandment. And Jesus in verse, 20, verse 37, Matthew 22, verse 37, Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And verse 39. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, Look at verse 40. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. 
Now, Jesus kind of really messed, messed their minds up because these are obviously people who are used to several laws, you know. They, they're like, they, I mean, the, the compilation is there are about 600 and something laws and commandments, you know, that the, 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 the children of Israel or people under Judaism have to really follow. I mean, they have to know this, they have to memorize this, they have to know how to do this. So, Jesus is trying to say, forget about all that. There are really, really two commandments that everything is hanging upon. So, Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart. And Jesus means all that. Your heart, your being, your soul, obviously your feeling, your emotion is meaning here. Your, your mind, even your reasoning, your intelligence. We can love God with our intelligence. Our intelligence doesn't have to, you know, you know, be against God. You know, worshiping God, loving God involve our reasoning. Hallelujah. Because God is actually intelligible. God can be understood through reasoning. Right? I mean, reasoning allows us to feel him. And that also makes God obviously available to everyone, whether you are intellectual, whether you are a feeler, whether you are a thinker, you know, whether you are just, whatever you are, truly you can love God and respond to God in that area. Some of us might not be as expressive as some people who come on stage, they come here, they roll on the floor, I mean, they do all that, you know, but you know, you can actually be really expressive in your mind. There are words to what we say, right? They mean something. We can think about them. We can meditate and think about the goodness of God. And you know, if you actually do that, it becomes your feeling as well. Becomes your feeling as well. Praise the name of Jesus. So love God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. And he said that's the first and great commandment. But he said the second is like it. You see, that's a very unique Hebrew way of talking. You know, in the Eastern, Eastern language, rather, when they say first, second, they are not necessarily mean ranking. In our Western way of thinking, when I say first, then second, you know, it's very, very different culturally. It actually means they are the same. It doesn't mean one is greater than the other. They are the same. That's why it actually clarified. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, John, who was one of the disciples of Jesus Christ, he wrote the book of 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, and he wrote the book of Revelation. So in 1 John chapter 4, he tries to clarify this in verse 20. He says, if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. So, in essence, he's trying to say that you cannot obey commandment number one without obeying commandment number two. Now, Jesus said there are two commandments, but they are one, really. So, John is saying the two commandments, really, are actually so linked that it's impossible to obey one without obeying all the other. So, if you say, I love God, and you're a liar, he say, I mean, and you, you hate your brother, you are a liar. He who does not love his brother whom he has seen. How can he love God who he has not seen? So, he's saying, these two are linked. But if you look at these two commandments, they are really talking about two aspects of commandment that are very important. One is our loving God. The second is about translating our love for God to others. You see, it is through loving others that we can truly translate God to the world. Hallelujah. Now, let's look at all the popular activities that we have in church, which are very important. And, if you, and you can actually go into the scripture and see all God's commandments, they fall into these categories. Loving God, loving men. Loving God, loving people. They, you know, Jesus is trying to say, oh, you know, Jesus said, all the law, all the prophets. You know, at that time, those are the scriptures they have, right? The law, which is the Pentateuch, which is the, the first five books. The prophets, which are the books that follow, really. 
He said, all of them. So he's using that to describe the scripture. He said, they hang on any commandment you see in the scripture either helps you to love God the more or helps you to love people more. That there's, there's nothing in between. There's nothing apart from that. Now, we're going to take a look at a few things we do, for example, that God commands us to do. They are very clear. He commands us to do some things expressly. Number one, church attendance. He expects us, God wants us to attend. He said, forsake not the assembly of God's people, right? Hebrews 10, 25. People are flaunting that now, right? Forsaking is, you know, what it means. I mean, what is the assembly? Is it online assembly, in-person assembly? I think that's a debate we're going to have for the next few years, right? But I think we can say church attendance. Those are things we associate with being a Christian, right? If you're a Christian, you go to church attendance, corporate and personal prayer, right? I mean, worship, right? Those who worship me must worship me in spirit and in truth, right? God wants us to do that. God expects us to participate in prayer. Prayer is, I mean, is as, I mean, you can't be a Christian without having a prayer life. Certainly not a born-again Christian. You don't have a prayer life, you are not a born-again Christian. Most likely you don't know him. You, you must have a prayer life. You must have a, you know, a personal prayer life. You must have a corporate prayer life. Those are things we associate with being a Christian. Whether in person, on phone, online, on Zoom, all kinds of things. The way we pray. Holy communion is one. It's another one, right? Jesus expressly tells us, 1 Corinthians 11, to really partake in this, right? Do this in remembrance of me. Service. Serving God. You know, Jesus clearly says you have been called to liberty. Use your freedom as a, an occasion to serve one another. First Peter 4 Ted, serve one another. So serving, which means, you know, becoming a worker, serving, you know, doing something with your gift. Those are activities we connect or relate with being a believer. There are so many things we do. Obviously, we come to church, we attend service, we do Bible study, preaching. If you're a preacher, you preach. That's part of, you know, you know, or deliverance, healing, all these things we do. Now, many of these activities, really, they are mostly geared towards our loving God. Almost everything I've talked about here. They are really get towards improving our love for God. Now, what we don't do well sometimes is see how do these activities we mentioned translate to how we translate God to the world. How do they connect? And a lot of times we can be so locked up in that bubble, which are great things, obviously bubble of prayer, worship, attending church, you know, giving to church, doing all these things that we can be so locked up and really not think about the other aspect of the commandment, which is to love our neighbor as ourselves. Because that, those are, that's a way we really translate who God is to people around us. Let me go back to what I was saying early on. This is a praying church, right? I mean, very soon we're going to have 21-day fasting and prayer. Uh, You know, we have prayer every night from 9.30 to 9.45, if you don't know. We have prayer every morning from 6 to 6.30. You know, we have worship. We have push army. We pray. We are worship church. And we will come here. We worship like crazy every Sunday. We come for fresh outpouring. We worship and pray like crazy. Those are great. Those are wonderful. Now, those things don't mean anything to people who are outside of this church. As great as they are, they are wonderful. I mean, obviously, we can't be a church without having them. What's a church that doesn't pray? What's a church that doesn't worship like crazy? What's a church that don't give like crazy? What's a Christian? But, you know, we must now think a little further those things won't really mean much to people outside of here until we begin to say, how does 
our worship of God, our love for God, our praying like crazy, our giving like crazy. How do those things translate? How do we translate that to people outside of church, to the world? Because they mean a lot to us. They don't mean anything to them. Nobody will really go outside and say, oh, I love agape. People who don't, know, who don't know anything about God. I love agape. They pray a lot. No, people, we are known for things we do that sometimes we don't think much of, like Vita, right? You know, gas by down. Oh, my God. People talk about gas by down. Oh, that church. I mean, that's like, well, really? That doesn't mean, but it means so much to the world. You know, because that's a concrete way to translate the God that we know to the world who don't know our God. You know, the, the Corinthians church, for example, Paul was writing to them in 1 Corinthians 14. I mean, they were really so excited about speaking in tongues. I mean, this is the first time people are speaking in tongues. I mean, they were so excited. I mean, they, they go to public, they start speaking in tongues. Imagine we are doing uh, our National Day of Prayer. We all go before the borough hall, and all of us just start blasting in tongues for 45 minutes. I mean, look at what that means to them. It's crazy to them. It does not make sense to them. If it is likely going to turn them away, it's not going to endear them to us unless they've been... The only people that would like it are crazy churchgoers. We're like, wow, they are praying in tongues there. Let's go join them. The people who don't know God, they get into their car and they will run out. What, we, what, what it means is we've not translated God properly to them. We're not aware. And Paul actually told them there, he said, look, when I'm in public, he said, look, I thank God I, I speak in tongues more than all of you. Paul told them, 1 Corinthians 14. He said, but when I'm in public, I would rather see, speak five words that people can understand than speaking tongues. So Paul is saying here, we need to be very, very, very cognizant of how we are translating God to the world around you around us. Praise the name of Jesus. And the key thing is to love our neighbors. The key way, the, I mean, if you look, look through the scripture, the key is to wear a mindset of love. Let's look at how this is talked about. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. First Corinthians 13, let's look at, uh, let's read actually from verse 1. Hallelujah, verse 1. So, it said, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. I want you to understand what he's trying to say. Look. He's not knocking speaking in tongue here. This is the man that say, I speak in tongue more than all of you, right? This is the master tongue talker himself, Apostle Paul, <laughs> right? He said, I don't care how much you speak in tongues, I do more than all of you. And Paul won't say that unless he means it. But he's saying, but if I can do all that, but I have not understood how to love, how to really express God to people around me, it doesn't mean anything to them. To them, it is a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. It doesn't mean much. And though I have the gift of prophecy, and I understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I can remove mountains, but I have not love. Those things mean nothing when it comes to representing God to the world, which is a major part. And if we are not representing God to the world, if we are not loving our neighbors, even our love for God is now questionable. 
is questionable. Look at verse 3. And though I bestow all my good to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but I have not love, it profits me nothing. Wow! How is that possible? I mean, some people can do that. Some people can give all their stuff to church. They are so sacrificial. It's not knocking that. Obviously, that's something that... But he said, but they forget how do this thing translate to me representing God to the world. If I'm not loving, they don't mean nothing. Even if I choose to be born for Christ, that I'm so committed to Christ, and I can go to anywhere in the world that there's bomb. I can get jump, jump in the plane right now and fly to Russia or Ukraine because I love God so much. But around me, I'm not translating God, which is love. That's all I'm known for. I'm known for the tongue talking, the prophesying, the, all these things. People close to me don't know me as a person of love. I'm not translating God properly. They don't mean much. And he begins to tell us, verse 4, little things. Love suffers long and kind, and love is kind. Love is kind. I'm not kind. People around me can't describe me as kind. My co-workers, yeah, they know I have a big Bible <laughs> on my table. And I'm ready to criticize them for celebrating Halloween. <laughs> but I, I'm not known as a kind person. I'm not known as someone that can suffer long. So love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. Love is not puffed up. I'm not some arrogant, puffed up person. Love does not behave rudely. I mean, I can be the loudest Christian, but I'm the rude person who can dress down anybody. No, love does not seek its own. Love is not easily provoked. I don't get angry easily. I'm not that irritable person. So love does not do that. Thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. And it, it switches him from verse 7, it switches to the positive verse, it bears all things. Love bears with people. Love bears with people. Now, who are the people that will see all this? They are people close to us. Our families, our spouses, our children, our co-worker, you know, our ministry workers, team members. So, bears all, believes in all, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. And he goes on and on to talk about that. See, he's talking about how we translate God through love, through instrument of love. That's how the early church were able to turn the world upside down. I mean, they were passionate about prayer, but they were also passionate about serving the, the people. I mean, they were like, obviously, we read the book of Acts, how they were praying, they were full of the Holy Spirit. But they were also the first group of people that cared so much about widows. Widow, to be a widow in the first century was a big deal. Women depended on their husband. If you lose your husband in the first century, that's, that's, a, that's losing everything. Your ticket to feeding on a daily basis. The early church, and I want you to understand, the early church were actually not started by people who are wealthy. They themselves were not the wealthiest of the people. But they thought in themselves, if the society is not taking care of the needy, we should. They, they, they put up a way to care for the poor people, to care for the people around them. 
to seek how they can transmit God. Now, we know God, but how do we translate them to my co-workers? I want you to think about that. How do I or am I truly translating God? Or is God lost in translation? Sad to say, for many believers, God has lost in translation. God is lost in translation. God is real, but when he gets to me, by the time he flows out, all the juice is gone. The true essence and content of God is gone. Though I might be here preaching and screaming myself to, to stupor, people close to me sometimes are even like, what is that about? And we need to really ask ourselves, are we properly translating God to people around us? You know, some of us, if you are the only Christian in your family, so get, just ask yourself, what impression do they have about God because of me? Am I known to be kind, to be gentle, to be the least person, the most agreeable person, the peacemaker in the house? Or the troublemaker in the family. And the troublemaker that knows how to quote a lot of scriptures. Those are the dangerous troublemakers. <laughs> the most dangerous troublemakers, they know how to turn the Bible and just tell everybody, Thus yes, the Lord. <laughs> no. Am I known as someone that is, that is loving? Hallelujah. Wow. Jesus, help us. I mean, this really means that we must really think of what it means to be a Christian. What it means to be a child of God. It means maybe some of us have to really call some people in our lives and Apologize to them and say, look, I have not truly represented Jesus to you. I mean, the good thing is God is great. Some of those people will find God in different ways, right? I remember when I was in school, one of my fellowship ladies was hanging out with an unbelieving guy. I mean, this is a sister that was really like, you know, you know and just hanging out, doing what they, she's not supposed to do. And some of the brothers were aware, they're like, I mean, you're a Christian. You're not supposed to be doing this. And she said, no, you know, I'm a Christian, but I would, I would, I wouldn't, whatever. Guess what happened? The unbelieving brother got saved and dumped her. And said, well, did you say you were born again all this while? I, I doubt you were born again all this while. If you were born again, we were not supposed to be doing this. <laughs> and and I broke up the relationship and she's, she, she's now more miserable. You see, sometimes God, God is good. God will bypass us and really, you know, do what he needs to do. But we shouldn't allow God to do that. God, you will not bypass me. God does not want to walk by bypassing us all the time. He wants to use us as a vessel. He said, you are a chosen vessel. Vessel of honor. God has chosen us to be vessel of honor. People who can truly. It's not through our loudness. It's not through our this. It's through our gentleness, our kindness. Our being attentive to people. Do you know that people are suffering everywhere? At your job, people are going through. You know, at your neighbor, people have issues. I mean, at your, do we stop a little bit to really show concern? Do we stop a little bit? To really pray for people. Does our prayer just stop in church? Do we get on the subway or whatever, somebody falls down and collapses or whatever? Do we respond by bringing Jesus into, that, into the midst of that? And by praying for that person, by comforting them? Do we hear people losing loved ones at our job, at our neighborhood? And do we respond by really comforting them and really being there for them. I mean, that's translating God to the world. 
the world does not know him. In fact, it's worse now. The world, they have a wrong idea of him. Don't you wish the world know the God that you know? The God that you know so much, you left, you woke up, whatever this morning, dressed up, got into the car and drove from wherever you drove from to come into this place and worship and cry. I mean, that's, that's how much you know him that you can do these things for him. But I wish everyone knows God like that. But they won't unless I translate them, him. Unless I show him, them, him. Can we ask God to help us this morning? Whether you're a student, you're a father, you're a mother, you're a husband, can we say, God, I want to help me to truly translate you to the world. And I'm sorry if there's any way I have mistranslated you. In any way, you've been lost in translation through me. So, Lord, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? Will you forgive me? Some of you might have to apologize to someone. Some of you might have to mend fences. Yeah, you may even be right in those instances, but did you represent God? Did you act like Jesus? Did you represent Jesus in that environment? Did you make the situation worse because of your flesh? Or did you truly stand up and say, let me demonstrate Jesus? Some of you might have to do all that. Just Lord, please help us. Make us vessels of honor, not to dishonor. Holy Spirit, will you help us? Help us, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father. Empower us, Holy Spirit, to demonstrate the power of God everywhere we find ourselves. To see ourselves as your ambassadors. Jesus said, I mean, the Bible says, you are ambassadors for Christ. We want to be truly your ambassadors. People that represent you to the world. And when you truly represent God, he represents you. He shows up for you bigly. He shows up for you in, any, in a major way. So, Father, we thank you today for this word. You've challenged us. You've pricked us. You've touched us. Holy Spirit, we're open. Pour yourself unto us. Release yourself unto us. Make us worthy vessels. Make us vessels of honor. So that people will behold our light. Our light will so shine. People will behold our light and give glory to our God. Let it be so. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. Amen.